This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. Welcome everyone. Uh, welcome back. Great to see you all again this afternoon. Um, just before we get going, just to recap, yesterday we talked about worship in truth. Uh, I thought Nathan did an outstanding job of leading us through that, and we sang some truth and uh, got into that as an exercise together. This afternoon we're going to continue that journey with Dave Feli leading us uh, into worship in spirit, and um, Joss is going to lead us through an exercise in that, and then we'll finish off with some Q&A. Uh, in terms of the Q&A, let me just give you the, that phone number again, just so that you have it. If there are questions that you'd like to ask, it's uh, 07545 So we had a couple more questions come in. Uh, just at the end of the session yesterday, I didn't have enough time to deal with them, so we'll pick those up today and any further questions that you have. Uh, just in terms of introducing Dave, uh, there are many stories that I could tell you, uh, all of them worth hearing. Um, but uh, one of the things that, just to say, I um, remember doing a week with Dave in uh, uh, Switzerland, in Lausanne, where Dave was teaching on worship and uh, apart from asking me to smuggle beers into a, uh, a, a YWAM base, which was very, very out of order, um, <laughs> we, um, one of the things that just was astonishing for me was uh, sitting uh, in those sessions uh, and Dave teaching for five days solid on worship, uh, just from... Uh, scribbled notes during the break. It was absolutely astonishing uh, hearing him. And so uh, we've only got about 20, 25 minutes uh, before we want to get into our exercise. But uh, I just want to invite you just to open your hearts to him. Uh, he's a real father for us in worship and uh, brings such wonderful experience uh, in the things of the Spirit. So let's welcome him. Over to you, Dave. I don't know about scribbled notes, this is the first time I've ever used an iPad. <laughs> um, I can't really see what it says. <laughs> How do you enlarge this? Uh, anyway, uh, no, don't worry, I, I, I won't fiddle. Oh, I've already fiddled. <laughs> anyway, well, um, I'm going to try and condense what I would normally take quite a few hours in teaching sessions to, to do in, in this session. Um, so, in a sense, it's going to be a bit like a smorgasbord. Our word of God is, um, and say some things about, and um, hopefully that will give you a way of thinking and pursuing in your own studies. So, yesterday, Nathan um, did very well talking about worship in, um, in the truth, now, there can be, um, in our thinking, a division between spirit and truth. And sometimes when I hear people speaking about worship, um, particularly talking about the content of songs and how songs should be 
full of truth and that um, it's important that um, there is a progression of truth in the songs that um, help us to engage with God. Um, and then you've got the other side of the story where, you know, too many words, um, too much poetry, let's just engage with the spirit. And so you get this kind of dichotomy of spirit and truth. Now, that is not how it should be at all, because the word of God, particularly, the, obviously, the scripture, is what we call theonustos. It's God-breathed. So the Holy Spirit is very active in the scripture. So there is or should be a spiritual activity that's going on when we are reading the scripture. I mean, that's true when you're doing it in your own personal life, your own personal Bible study. It's why I believe very strongly uh, in the power of preaching, particularly expositional preaching from the Word of God, and the whole idea of um, the worship stopping when we've stopped doing this because we've got to listen to some guy preaching is absolute nonsense because it is as much an activity in the spirit to be listening to good biblical truth being expounded and taught. There is just as much an activity of the spirit in that as there is when we are singing our songs and lost in wonder love and praise. So it's very important that we don't make a division and see the two things uh, together, that worship is in spirit and in truth. So it's not like the spirit bit is before the preach and the, the word bit, the truth bit, uh, the spirit bit is during the worship and the word bit, the truth bit, is during the preach. No, the whole uh, worship time should contain the truth of God's word, and the preaching time should contain the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just talk about the way God has made us in his common grace, what we call his common grace. This is the gifts that God gives to us in our humanity, whether we are Christians or not. And in the human makeup in the complexity of our mental life, our emotional life, our uh, social life, our spiritual life, there is what, what we might call the experience of the catharsis. Okay, The catharsis is what goes on in the human spirit when you feel very moved. So I can listen to a Beethoven symphony and feel incredibly moved to the point of tears. Now, that emotionally is the same feeling that I get in a worship time when there is that moment when I feel profoundly moved. Now, this creates a problem for us, and especially for people, a human catharsis that you would get with a, a probably a more kind of scientific brain um, than an artistic brain because um, rationalization and feeling, reason 
and passion can seem to be uh, a dichotomy. Now, it's important to understand that God has made us in our humanity to experience the catharsis. So, uh, th there's a great Toto guitar riff. Every time, it's, every time it comes on, every time I listen to Toto and this riff comes, I cry. It's just so fantastic. The way the guitarist bends the notes and the tone of it, it just does something inside. When the Holy Spirit's moving powerfully on me in a worship time, I cry. I'm a, that's how I'm wired. I'm like that. I'm a artistic and sensitive to that. So, how do we know it's the Holy Spirit who's making us feel like that in a worship time? And how do we know it's the presence of God and not just a human catharsis that if you were watching a great movie or you were listening to a great piece of music or looking at a great work of art? The answer is that the truth validates the catharsis in worship. So the truth of God's word, is it true? Is, it, is his truth there? The catharsis is the emotional response, but the thing that makes us know that it is the Holy Spirit and that it's God is that revelation comes, spiritual gifts are released, God moves in power, things begin to happen that are a description of what God does for us in bringing in the kingdom. So it's good to be moved. That's absolutely fine. And that moving is a combination of God's word and God's spirit together within us. Now, that can happen in us personally, but it can happen to us corporately when we are worshipping together. And in fact, our worship times should be like that. There comes that moment in a worship time where we know that we've engaged with God and God's presence is there. So, the strange thing about that is that God's there anyway because he's omnipresent. He is always there. But there is what I call God's omnipresence. He's there. And then there's his realized presence. And that is where we realize that he's there. And that's when we speak truth. So a worship time should begin not with my feelings, not with subjective concepts, but should begin with the truth of who God is. Worship is for him. It's about him. And so songs, if you're a worship leader and putting a song list together, those first songs should be directed towards God, his character, who he is. Now, there can be an aspect of that where we do sing to one another and draw each other to God. That's all right. So something like, say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and we're almost like singing to ourselves and encouraging one another. But even with that, there should come that point where we are considering who God is. So that is a very, very important part of worship. We begin with truth. But then as, as we begin to sing truth, 
what should happen because the Spirit is actually the bringer of truth, the bringer of revelation to us, our hearts become warmed. We get the feelings, we get the emotion, the catharsis starts to build. And that's great. And God wants us to be like that. So when God said to Moses that gave him that great commandment, you love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The whole of our being is engaged. Our mind, our heart, our will, our emotions, we're all engaged in that. And Jesus said, of course, that was the great commandment. So we get caught up in the wholeness of our being in worship. So when Paul says to the Romans that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service of worship, what we are doing is presenting ourselves to God. We no longer bring the sacrifice of an animal. The sacrifice has been made. Jesus has shed his blood for us. He has died. The sacrifice has been made. So as the writer to the Hebrews says that we enter by the new and living way, by the blood of Christ, and we enter in freely, confidently, and we present ourselves. We bring the sacrifice of praise. That means that the, the, the sacrifice has already been made through Jesus, but we are laying our lives on the altar. Now, there is a spiritual principle and uh, we would have to teach on the tabernacle and the book of Leviticus and, and all that stuff about sacrifice and fire and all that. But there is a spiritual principle that when the altar is laid on the sacrifice, the fire falls on it and consumes it. And uh, Wesley, in one of his great hymns, put it like this, the spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. So there is a sense when we lay ourselves down, come before him with truth and offering uh, our, ourselves to him, the spirit engages with us and sets us ablaze. And often there will be a point in a meeting where that happens. So we move from the sense of God's omnipresence through his realized presence to his manifest presence. And then it, it brooks no argument. God's here. Well, of course he's here, but you know he's here. And you, you'll know in worship times it's happened here when there, there comes that point in the meeting where something has changed and God is engaging with us. And so we worship. Our worship moves from just intellectual assent to truth, which is good, to something that is far more engaging with the whole of us, not just our mind, not just our body, but our emotions, our will, we're all affected by it. And that should be the aim of every worship time. So when you are preparing a song list, when, when I used to lead worship, I used to prepare my song list and start from the point, God, what do you want to do with us in this meeting? How are we going to meet with you? Now, what is the progression of truth that brings me to that point? And then when I've got to that point, where do we go from here? So there is that whole sense of moving out. So there is that, that sense of truth and spirit flowing together. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, you get three things 
about worship that are to do with the Trinity. In the first few verses, you've got these amazing statements about God as our Father and our salvation. And that little section ends with a very simple little praise to the praise of his glory. So we've got what the Father does in our salvation. Then we get the next part, what the Son does in our salvation. Um, Jesus has cleansed us from our sins, that we've been redeemed, and so on. So we get that, those kind of concepts. And then he finishes that with a little phrase that says that we might live to the praise of his glory. Then he says a little bit about the grand purpose of God, and then he comes back to the theme of our salvation, and he talks about the Holy Spirit who is given to us as a pledge, as a guarantee of our inheritance that we might live to the praise of his glory. Now, the interesting thing about that word pledge, guarantee, is it's a a legal technical word um, to do with the way people traded in Bible times. It's a a, a down payment that has to be, if you put down a deposit, when you pay the full amount, it has to be in the same kind of what you've paid down. Okay, I could explain that and expand that, but I, I think you probably can understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say. So the Holy Spirit is given as a down payment, as a deposit. It guarantees our future. Now, that down payment, when that comes into us, when we are filled in where Paul is talking, that does, it brings heaven into our hearts. It brings us into a supernatural dimension. It brings us into that whole area of revelation. Um, There's a great hymn by Fanny Crosby where, um, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We have the deposit of our future glory in the present. In one of Graham Kendrick's not such good songs, Oh, 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 heaven is in my heart. It's got the same kind of uh, concept. So maybe somebody should write a song uh, about that whole concept. Um, But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we get heaven's perspective. We get God's perspective, and it is the Holy Spirit who brings supernatural revelation, makes Scripture come alive to us, and that is the area in which we prophesy, speak in tongues, have words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, where Paul about the way we should conduct our services, right at the heart of that is the whole uh, teaching about spiritual gifts, and it is in the context of worship that spiritual gifts take place. Now, when we are in a worship time, we should be open always to the gifts of the Spirit, particularly prophecy and tongues and interpretation, which I'll say a little bit goodness, uh, about in a moment. Um, what prophecy does, it brings God's now word into the present. 
But what we need to understand, and this is where there can be a tension between worship leaders, congregation, prophets, and church leaders, when is the right time to bring the prophecy? Now, we seem to have created um, a, a way of operating where we might have, particularly in a big meeting like this, somebody who filters that, a meeting leader, whether we call it a meeting leader or an anchor, who will filter the prophecies. Now, the way Joss and I work and the way uh, we would work with Andy Robinson at Horsham is that we would have eye contact. We would sense what God is doing in the meeting. So it's not just that somebody who has a prophetic word has the mind of the Spirit, but there is also the moment of the Spirit. Now, as a prophet, I can go into any meeting and prophesy. I know I can. I'm always hearing God speak. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to do it in that meeting at that time. And so when we're worshipping in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit with a combination of people together, worship team together, flowing together in good order and good government with good leadership... What should happen is that there is space for spiritual gifts to operate, to bring God's word, to bring heaven to earth, to give God's now word for the moment, words of encouragement and strengthening, revelation and so on. All of that is appropriate and should be happening, but we don't do it too soon. We wait for that moment of the Spirit in the meeting to bring that. And what I have found, and you won't actually get this specifically taught in A, B, C, D, and E and points from the Scripture, but you just get the sense, especially when you read the Psalms, that there is a progression of truth that leads to that point where we can communicate what God is saying and what God is speaking. I realize I'm, I'm like a train when I get going, and um, I'm just trying to condense a lot of concepts into just a few moments. I, I'm going to conclude this by just saying one or two things about speaking in tongues and singing in tongues, and then Joss is going to come and lead us in um, uh, at one or two exercises, which I know you, you'll really enjoy. There is a lot of controversy at the moment, theologically, about the whole idea of everybody singing in tongues. And even, dare I say it, within some New Frontiers churches, there are people who are saying, well, we shouldn't do that because of what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. You know, it should be one at a time. And um, uh, everybody singing in tongues. Surely Paul says that we shouldn't do that. Now, the problem is that... We don't seem to understand that there is a difference between the gift of tongues, which is a prayer gift um, that we speak out and has to be interpreted in a meeting. And when we do that, that is a Godward expression that is interpreted um, by means not of a prayer. Okay, this is important. It's not just a prayer. If it was just a prayer, we'd just pray it. It is a Godward expression with prophetic content. So what, um, what, if Jesus is singing over and is a worship gift, that's tongues and interpretation. 
Singing in the Spirit, however, is when we do that corporately, is something that you are hard-pressed to find a verse or even a description of a church meeting where in, in the Bible where that actually happens. But when Paul said, I will sing in the Spirit, it, he seems to be talking to the whole church. And um, my good friend John Hosier, who is a Greek expert and I'm not, says that what that actually means is that we sing in the manner that the Spirit gives us. So I don't see any problem at all in a congregation singing corporately in the manner that the Spirit gives us. We're caught up as a congregation and the Holy Spirit sings his song. I, perhaps I can illustrate it like this. Jesus sings, yeah? So what does he sound like? Does he have a high Pavarotti tenor voice or does he sound like Sting or, or what? Um, what? If Jesus is singing for us, what does he sound like? Well, where do you sing from? Your body. So where is the body of Jesus? We are the body of Christ. And Jesus is worshipping the Father who's loving the Holy Spirit, who's glorifying Jesus. God is a worshipping Godhead. And what happens, I believe, when we're singing in the Spirit is that we are participating in the worship that God is doing himself. And as his body, we are articulating that and giving voice to that. So when we sing in the Spirit, it's as though we are singing the song that Jesus is singing. It's a love song that is weaved by, supernaturally by the Spirit in his people. And it's very interesting in the book of Revelation where it says his voice is as, as the sound of many waters. What does it sound like when we're singing in the Spirit? It often sounds like that, doesn't it? So that's the best theological explanation that I can give. I know that there will be some who will find gaps in that, but I do know that God owns it, God blesses it, God uses it, and I would say, let's do it. Oh, hello. Should we do that then? Why don't we stand together? So, for some in the room, this might be a new, a new thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend a few minutes in Ephesians 5... Uh, 19, it says about us making melody from our hearts to the Lord and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so we're going to go on a bit of a progression here. So the first thing that we're going to do is just spend a few minutes literally just singing out melody. So no words, no tongues, just oohs and ahs, just to really activate us singing. Um, and then we're going to move to singing out in tongues. So for those that can sing out in tongues, we're going to move to singing out in tongues for a few minutes. And then at the end... We're going to move to singing out what we feel God has led us into well, as we've been singing in tongues. So almost interpreting our, our own tongues. And then at the end, if a few of you feel that there's something, as Dave said, kind of prophetic on what you've been singing for the body, then as we did yesterday, encourage a couple, two or three, to come down and just chat to Dave as we're in it. And, uh, and yeah, and 
bless us with those songs. Is that all right? We all up for that? Yes? Yeah, she sounds very quiet. Great, let me just tune. Okay, so we're going to spend five minutes just singing out oohs and ahs. Okay, we up for that? Okay, let's go for it. Who's itching to start sing, singing something more? I am. But just, just the process of singing activates us, just makes us want to praise God and worship God. So we're now going to just start singing out in tongues, start singing a new song to the Lord, start singing out in your own language and your own gift that God's given you. Let's just do that for a few minutes.
short of what we would normally do. the threshold of what we would normally do to sing out in tongues. So I want to encourage you to really press in now, to keep singing out in tongues, kind of break through those kind of self-imposed barriers that we often have. So let's just keep going. Another few minutes. Let's just really let our hearts connect with God. Let our hearts connect with what the Spirit's doing here. Using the gift of tongues to express what we're feeling inside. So let's keep singing out. Keep singing out your songs to the Lord. Kira masiyevundo, siya na sinari kira mano, siya no tomana siya bono, darama siyere na hire hundo, kumtina. Some of you might be um, now kind of sensing what you're singing. So that might be that you might be singing about the peace of God, uh, His mercy, His grace. So as you've just been singing out in tongues, just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you've been singing about, what characteristic of God, what experience of God you might have had, and then allow that to start shaping a new song for you. So start singing out in English. Almost that interpretation of what you've been singing out in tongues. If you haven't got anything, that's okay. Just start singing out what you know of God. His faithfulness, His goodness, His kindness, His mercy. And allow the Holy Spirit just to take you into a new place, a deeper place.
Great. So we're now going to just see if anyone wants to come and bring either a tongue or a new song. So if you've got something you'd like to bring that you feel for all of us, just come and share it with Dave and we'll just get you up. And So it's a chance to be brave with family. It's okay to uh, get stuff wrong. But as Jarrett said last night, we don't want to be uh, those that aren't willing to be brave and, and embrace what God's asking us to do. Great. Well done. Brilliant. Before time began, you know me. Before time began, you called my name. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You call me out, you breathe life into my being. Oh God, you know me, you know me, you know my inner being. You know what calls me joy. You know what I long for, you know my desires. You know, Lord, cause you for me. You know me, and Lord, you see me in the quiet. You see my tears, you know my fears. You see my tears, you know my doubts. You know every part of me, every part of me. Oh God, but with your mighty hand, you are holding me. You're centering me on that potter's wheel. Lord, you are raising me up. You are raising me up. You are forming me within you to be more like you. Oh, what a Savior. What a God, what a King, what a Father. Thank you, Lord. Great. 
I'm just going to make uh, a couple of comments ab about what happened there. Um, the interpretation caught the nuance of the tongue. And I don't know if you noticed, when the, the, the tongue came, I thought she was going to finish. I thought, ah, oh, that's it. And then she picked it up again on a slightly more gentle, a slightly more gentle way. Um, and I felt the interpretation of that was just caught that really beautifully and put it into articulated words that we could understand but expressed what was in her heart. So that modeled that very, very well. When we trust in you, when we have faith in you, we will receive love, patience, and hope. All the things you can offer all the things that we need we can receive them all from you our Lord when we trust in when our faith is released, we can see love, patience, and hope grow from within. Just one comment about that. That was great. Did you notice there was a line there? And I think Lou did this um, la last night in, in the worship and in the celebration. There was a line that actually we could have all picked up on and sung with him. And when a prophetic song does that, that's, that's really great because it engages us all, all together. Okay. Obviously, a lot more we could say about that. But anyway, I'll just pan back to Reese now. Should we hop up quickly and just... Okay, so... Uh, let me just... Did everyone get the number for questions? Do you need it again? Anyone nodding? No? You do? You do need the number again? All right, here it is. Uh, whoops. Wrong app. There we go. So 07454. Sorry. Let me do that again. 07545 348 898. I think I must be getting dyslexic in my old age. Um, so question number one. On the back of uh, what we talked about yesterday, uh, as new songs continue to be written, 
Do you have any method to consider the theology of each song? So, Nath, why don't we start with you, and then, Ash, it would be great to have you comment as well. Oh, what's Ash going to say? She asks. <laughs> she asks Reese. <laughs> yeah, I, I think really it's just a case of having a, a, somebody who you respect theologically, uh, who you feel comfortable enough to go to with a song and say, you know, I've, I've written this or this is a song we'd like to do. What do you think? Uh, and then try and get somebody to, you know, try and get them to, to comment in on whether that it feels like there's any kind of red flags. I think generally, obviously, as you get more experienced, as just thinking about writing songs as well, uh, you tend to, um, I suppose, as your gift develops and as time goes on and you understand more yourself theologically, then you can feel, in a sense, safer with, with things that you're writing. But in that journey, you're always then, uh, there'll be certain moments, certainly for me, where um, I've tr if you're kind of, um, I don't know, going somewhere sli slightly more interesting theologically, where you might want to say, actually, does, does the way I'm capturing this, does this work? Am I stepping into uh, a realm that I shouldn't be in here? Does this, you know, in a, uh, or, or, as a, or, or am I uh, okay? Um, yeah, so essentially it is finding people who, who you feel comfortable to talk to, who you trust theologically. That's really the, the nuts and bolts of it. Ash, what are you going to say? Well, um, so there's so many great songs out there. And in our worship team, we often get lots of people from the congregation that'll send songs we should do this song we should do that song and I mean there's hundreds of songs and they're always coming out and so what we do as a team at our church is we every semester so basically every three four months we look at the songs that have been suggested to us we think about the season our church is going through um, we've gone through seasons where there's been um, we, we felt that there's a season where we need to step out in being brave so that was when no longer slaves came no longer uh, no longer slave to fear so like seasons like that we went through a season at church where there was a lot of there was loss and there was sickness and so going through season let's pick songs that speak about miracles and the and, and the truth and God's our healer so we look at the season our church is in and then um, as a team we meet um, our worship leaders and we'll meet with our lead elder which happens to be this guy here and so what we'll do is we'll look through the songs and we're, and we're looking at the the lyrics are these the Dave spoke on um, you know the songs being heavy in truth. So what, are, what is the song speaking about? Is it a song that's lifting us to Jesus? Is it more of a song that's just helping us kind of wallow in this? And But there are seasons for those songs. So we look at what the songs are speaking, what our church season is, and then we hash it out, and we debate, and we fight. No, we don't fight, but so yeah, a little bit of fighting. <laughs> you want to yeah, I just, I just asked Dave. That's my person I go to. No, we, so I'm an elder at Life Spring Church in Horsham. And um, so sometimes if there's a real contentious song we'll talk about as elders, get other people's input. I think the key is, is in team, so not doing it in isolation. So whatever kind of system or structure there is, that, that you're doing it amongst people. So, you know, a wise man has many counselors. And when, when there's songs that are potentially a little bit contentious, and, and under, understanding what the arguments are for both ways on a song as well. Because I think any song that we lead on a Sunday, you have to be able to defend theologically because people in the congregation uh, might come and go, mm, that line. So I know um, there's a, a line in So Will I that kind of hints at evolution. Actually, it's not hinting at evolution. It's talking about micro. I'm not going to get into this. But, but basically, we led it. We felt, we, we talked about it as a team, felt, yeah, no, this is a good song. We led it. 
And I had two people immediately from the congregation come and say, mm, did you notice that about that line? And I was like, yeah, well, actually, we did. And we talked about it as a team. This is what we felt about it. And this is where we landed. So I think it's important to be able to defend the songs that you're using and own them uh, yeah, as part of that. And, that, and, and having confidence, uh, that comes from doing it in team. So, yeah. Very good. Okay, next question. Uh, someone asking, um, I used to uh, be part of the worship team in my church, and as part of that uh, team, I would uh, sometimes sing songs um, uh, in tongues or a, uh, an interpretation or a prophetic song. Uh, I've joined a, a new church, and I'm not part of the worship team, and I don't feel uh, a, a sense of release. Or I, I, I question whether there's a sense of presumption in coming to bring a song. And so, I guess just asking the question: How do we how do we think about bringing stuff? Uh, so, lots of different people here who are bringing different things. So, who wants to kick us off with commenting on that? Go on, Joss. I think the first thing to ask is: Are you serving in any area church? So, if you're not, if you just joined a new church, then I think the first thing to do is to get stuck in in any area, if that's the worship team, that's the worship team, but if it's putting out chairs, it's putting out church, because our gifts are for the benefit of the church, they're for the benefit of uh, the body, they're not for our own individual kind of release and responsibility, that's why God gives us gifts, and so actually, uh, the first question to ask is, do you have a heart for the church that you're now part of, do you love the church, are you serving, are you engaged, and, that, and if, you're, if the answer is yes, if you're doing that, then I'd say go for it, go and, and bring that song I think the other really important thing is relationship. So actually spending time getting to know people, getting to know the leaders, getting to know the worship leaders, actually, um, and building relationships. So there's trust there as well. And it might, not, it might be that you're not part of the worship team, but you can still get to know someone. You can invite them over. You can spend time with them. And, and just throw yourself in in relationship because we're family, and we're, and we're made to be family. And, then, and any time we're in isolation is where there's danger. So if you're in isolation then the first step is to get in relationship, get connected. And then once you're in that, there's safety and there's space to uh, bring your gifts. So, yeah. Most important thing is, are you singing those songs in your own worship time and prayer time? Um, that's where it starts. And if there is a gift there, there is a principle if you are in a good church that's well-led and alive in the spirit, your gift will make room for you. And it's as simple as that, really. I think one, one other comment to make is that if you're unsure, uh, if you feel unconfident in bringing something, um, we will often say... Uh, I'm ho if, if I'm hosting the meeting or uh, one of the other guys is hosting the meeting will say uh, if you feel like you have something come down I'm happy to help you with that and so if you're not sure come on down come, go, go now together um, Dave for the whole church or is this just God speaking to me um, if you're unconfident to do that bounce it off somebody else um, one of the girls in our church uh, said to me a, a number of times that she'd felt God giving her something and she hadn't brought it and she'd sort of kicked herself later on because somebody else had brought it. And uh, I said, well, do you see the kindness of God? He's teaching you. Yeah, I am speaking to you. 
Yeah, I, I am speaking to you. Now, step out. And our, our good friend Gary Gallant, uh, uh, a lady came to him at the end of the meeting and said, oh, well, I had this word, but I, I was too afraid to bring it. Now, I think he was in good relationship with her uh, because he said to her, you did not have the right to withhold that. And uh, I think that's actually, it, it, you know, I think he said it gently, but I think it's important for us when God gives us things that are for the church, we need to own that and we need to bring it uh, to, uh, to, to others. So I just want to press into a little bit more this question of tongues and interpretation. Um, how do you guys do uh, tongues and inter- so we, we've sung now together. Um, you've given us a little bit of a, a, um, an introduction in terms of s- corporate singing. Just tell us how you facilitate corporate singing in the worship time. How do you lead people in that? What are the different things that you do just to help the church enter and engage? Lou, do you want to kick us off on this? No. Um, Okay, what do I do? Well, I think the same principles apply in terms of the revelation and response that we were talking about yesterday. So you're feeding people with truth, and then there are points within a worship time where, um, you know, we want to allow people that opportunity to overflow. And sometimes that will be done with uh, words that are English or your native language. And then sometimes it's to do with tongues. And I think for me personally... um, there's, it's not just about stepping back. So as a leader, the temptation is to say, right, well, now it's your turn, so I'm going to step back from the microphone. And, and if the congregation aren't used to it, and it's not something that is actually, um, it, it needs to be led. Otherwise, people will as well step back. Because nowadays, our culture very much can be that if someone's not singing at the front, then I'm not going to sing. If someone's not doing it there, then I'm not going to do it. If there's a guitar solo, I'm going to stand and wait until we start singing again and doing it. So we actually have to teach people how to respond in worship again. So actually by stepping in and demonstrating and then stepping back can help by obviously in the mornings I'm explaining quite a lot I wouldn't necessarily do that in every worship time normally but we're trying to teach the children as we go along so there are opportunities to teach as we do it there are opportunities to step in and just demonstrate and then step back Uh, things like that practical things like that can really help um, when you're um, flowing with what God's doing and I think for me as well, Reese, it is about being a person of the Spirit. And so what Dave was saying, it's your personal worship time. But there are so many other places that we can hear God and and then pass on what he's saying to us uh, to other people. So that might be in your small group. So start doing it in your small group. It might be on your doorstep with the Asda Grosser man and they need, they need prayer and God speaks to you. We need to be a people that are tuned into the Spirit. So it's not just about the public space and being on stage. That might be part of your gifting, but actually we as people are the people of the Spirit. And so we can all hear from God and we want to step in and learn how to fine-tune our ears to him in a general way. So that, that coming on stage isn't a big deal. It's not like right now, do I hear you? Don't I hear you? I don't know. You already know what his voice sounds like because it's not just about this moment, which I think is really important. You know, it's not just, it's, this isn't it. You know, being on stage is not it. It's just a fraction of what being a person of the Spirit is. Um, but Sorry, that's a slight sideline. But I just feel, like, I feel really passionately about it because we get so 
intense and then we get anxious. Is it God or is it not God? Should I bring this or shouldn't I bring it? And actually, if we are already living quite supernatural, bubbling lives, it just becomes another part, another expression of who we are. Um, anyway, back to the tongue thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I feel that I've, I guess you just, you, you learn as well as a worship leader, you're learning how to listen to God and, ha- and how to lead people and release people and then pick it up as well. If you leave it for too long, you, you know, you've got to read the room and read what God's doing in terms of right now, we've, we've reached a point now we can bring breakthrough here or we can take it on to the next bit as well. That's very practical, but... Yeah, yeah. I'll try and say this as succinctly as possible because what Lou is talking about there much more is like bringing a congregation together into singing in tongues. Um, But when it is the gift of tongues um, and somebody sings a tongue, which should then be interpreted either by being sung, as happened last night with Anne and... um, the, the lady who interpreted ju- just now, it was Sharon, yeah. Um, um, it can either be sung or, or spoken, but should be interpreted. Um, so um, if you're a worship leader on mic, actually you shouldn't be singing tongues into the mic unless your intention is to bring the congregation into it. Because if you do that, you do need to interpret it. Um, and that is, that is where some of the people who are critical of singing in tongues together um, have actually got a point. So it's just, um, but that, that sort of depends on the worship leader and the relationship with the congregation. So if the worship leader begins to sing in tongues on mic, that would be a cue for the congregation to sing. But, but there is something about when it is a gift of tongues, which is to be interpreted, it's in a different dimension. So when Anne did it last night, we all knew, hey, this is something to listen to, and we wait for, for the interpretation. Just to say on that, don't try and explain it at the moment, at the time it happens. Because I find, I mean, I do operate in the gift of interpreting frequently. If somebody says there is a tongue, it needs to be interpreted, and that's what's happening, it kills it for me. It really does, because there is that element of spontaneity in the spirit. Explain it later, but not at the time. Okay, just to say the interpretation is a Godward expression because Paul says he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries to God um, but as I've said it's more than a prayer there is revel- there is revelation in it so a very quick example um, there was a tongue that came in a, a worship service that, that I was in um, somebody sung the tongue and I was standing at, at the front and I interpreted the tongue And the interpretation was something like, I will stand before your throne and I will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then I went through several things. I have shepherded your flock. I have known your people. I have cared for them. But now I stand in your presence. I did not know that that was a man who was a retired pastor in his 80s who that week after that went to be with the Lord. And it was as though I had interpreted 
what was just about to happen. So there was an element of revelation in that. Just, just over the last uh, few months, we've had multiple tongues interpreted uh, by people who have understood the language that they have come in, uh, in our meeting. So, for example, uh, we were doing something like what we were doing this, this afternoon. Uh, just recently, we had a young man come down. He sang uh, in Arabic. He'd never spoken in Arabic before. And we had an Arabic speaker in the room who came down and, and word for word said, this is what he's been singing. And, uh, and I do think uh, when we give space for, this, for these gifts, uh, it just is wonderful what God does among us. And we're out of time, so uh, we'll finish there, but we'll pick it up again tomorrow afternoon. Thank you all so much for being with us this afternoon.